0: you can read, uh, first, <laughs> first Thessalonians, um, and if you remember last week, we covered a whole lot of scripture, right? I mean, so many verses, three, <laughs> the first three of first Thessalonians. Uh, today, we're going to cover about double that. We're actually going to be through verse four all the way to verse 10, but before I read, let's just bow our heads and prepare our hearts. Lord God, we, we pray that you'd speak to us. You already are. You're, you're so good, and, and the way you're speaking um, this morning is very powerful to me, and you're speaking right to my heart today, and, and I thank you for that. But I pray as we read your word that you would just illuminate our minds and our hearts, that you would uh, speak a word that would be planted in us, and whatever would be planted in us today would actually grow throughout the week and throughout the weeks and throughout the months and the years. That whatever happens today would not be wasted, but would actually be part of the transformation that you want to do in our lives. So God, have your way. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Well, here it is. Verse 4. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. All right, well, let's take it at the very beginning. Paul says that our gospel came to you. Our gospel came to you. Well, what gospel is he talking about? Right, It's not the gospel of Paul. He's, he's actually talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, Right, the gospel news of Jesus. And this is the news, the good news, that he shared with the Thessalonians. It's actually recorded in the Bible, which is kind of cool. Uh, if you go back into the book of Acts, uh, I think it's chapter 17, uh, all of this is recorded. And, th- and this is how it, it records the account. It says, They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, Paul went in, as was his custom, so this is something he regularly did, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them in the synagogue from the scriptures, verse 3, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Look at verse 3 again. He says, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to die, right, and to Rise from the dead, that's what we celebrate on Easter, and saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ or is the Messiah. So what is he doing there? He is preaching and proclaiming the good news, right? The gospel message of Jesus Christ. And, and you see that he actually spent some serious time with these people preaching the gospel in their synagogues on the Sabbath. Now in First Thessalonians, he says this gospel, it came to you in word, right? He says in word, but he says it also came to you in power. In power. Don't you know how important it is that the gospel that you and I share, that it would come in power? Right? It has to be more than just our words. This is actually very important to Paul. Paul says in the book of First Corinthians, he says it a couple different times. He says, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in what? In demonstration of the Spirit. And of power. Two, verses, or two chapters later, he says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but it consists in what? Power. 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 So again, go back to 1 Thessalonians. Our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. Everyone say full conviction. Full conviction, full conviction so important. Have you ever tried to live the Christian life without full conviction? Right? You're going to get beat up. We've all tried that before. You're you're going to get tossed to and fro if you if you try to do the Christian life where you're kind of just riding the fence. You know what I'm talking about? One one toe in, you know, one foot in, one foot out, kind of that lukewarm thing. You know, you don't want to get too hot but also not too cold. This way of Christian living, by the way, is a miserable way to live. If you have ever tried it, it's just complete misery. But for Paul and Silas, they come in. They don't come in riding the fence. They don't come in lukewarm. They come in with full conviction, passionate for the gospel, passionate for the good news of Jesus Christ. Then he moves on. If we continue, he says, And you know, Thessalonians, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Right, they proved themselves to the Thessalonians, in the way they came in and how they shared the word, how they moved in power, moved in the spirit, moved in full conviction. And people saw it, people took notice, right? They're like, hey, these guys, right? Paul, Silas, they're the real deal. They're the real deal. Have you ever encountered anyone like that? Have you ever seen someone, heard someone, you're like, that person, they're the real deal. I'm not talking about that crazy, you know, false prophet kind of person. I'm talking about the person that you know I mean, you know, and you're like, wow, that person, the deeper things of who they are, they are the real deal. Like, I, they just believe in Jesus, full of conviction. This is someone, by the way, you got to say this person is more than just talk, right? They're more than just eloquent speech. They're more than just a happy message. No, there is power behind their words, power behind their actions. I actually see that in many of you at LifeSpring. You know who else I see that in is Pastor Tom just down the road. Have you met Pastor Tom at the Edge? I I just love him. He has this passion for Jesus. He serves him with everything he's got. Pastor Tom, he ministers in power. He ministers in the Spirit. He ministers in full conviction. Because of this, I would also say this, and this might be true of the people you're thinking of, when he talks, I listen. I listen. Do you have anyone in your life like that? When they open their mouths, I just kind of get quiet and I listen. Micah and I were actually in a meeting with him earlier this week, and he he was just being honest and transparent about some stuff. And it was moving, church. I mean, as he was speaking, as he was sharing with this group of pastors, we all just stayed silent and we listened. Again, if you have anyone like that in your life, it is so powerful. And again, this is Paul and Silas. But then look what, what happens in this passage so as the Thessalonians as they listen to Paul as they watch Paul they become imitators of Paul that's what the scripture says but not only imitators of Paul and Silas the scripture says they became imitators of the Lord imitators of the Lord this is something we just got to understand as Christians the great commission we've all heard and read the Great Commission, we're familiar with the Great Commission, right? To go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. A part of that going and making disciples of all nations, a part of this discipleship process, it seems to me at least, as I read the scriptures, is being an example for others to follow. I don't even know if I like that, church. <laughs> right? I don't, and I don't think, by the way, it's something that you ever get comfortable with. But you see it in scriptures. You see it in scriptures like 1 Thessalonians. Where Christians come in like Paul and Silas. Full of conviction. Full of the power of God. And they set an example of what it looks like to follow Christ. And then others actually follow their example. You see Paul talking about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, follow my example as I follow Christ. Follow the example of Christ. And we need to take this serious. Because a part of making disciples... Is this? Is this example and following an example? I actually shared just a little bit on this topic when I had the privilege of uh, giving a talk, giving a speech to the president of Foursquare a couple of years ago, uh, to Glenn Burris. Glenn Burris was there, and then it was the um, supervisors of all the districts in our nation. So there's about 20, 30 people in the room, and, and this is the message uh, and I'm not going to actually tell you the whole message. It was about 30 minutes long, but here's just a, a little bit uh, in in regards to what I'm talking about this morning. This this is why I said to these leaders of Foursquare, I said, "You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and I can tell there's no turning back for you. You are all in for the cause of Christ, and I want to be like you." I said, "I'm watching you." When I was at the convention in Dallas, when I wasn't eating barbecue, I was watching you. Watching how you talked, watching how you walked, how you went about your business. I was watching Jack, you know, Jack Hayford, if some of you know him. I was watching Glenn. I was watching Tammy. I was watching Bert. I was watching my supervisor, Dave. Maybe that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it even creeps you out a little bit. But I had my eyes on you because who you are matters to me. Because I, Dan Burst, I don't want to just follow an organization I don't want to follow a denomination or even a really good movement. I want to follow disciples of Jesus who are making disciples who are making disciples. I follow men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who speak with a boldness that only comes from being with Jesus. See, what I wanted them to understand and what I think we all need to understand today is that we are to be an example An example that people can follow, where they can follow our example. Now, I'm not saying that you need need to even like this part of disciple-making. There should be maybe even get the fear of God in in this whole thing. But this is a part of the equation. It's a part of the disciple-making process. For instance, we'll just take Lucinda over there, a wonderful woman of God. And it's not that she's trying to make a bunch of people to look like Lucinda, right? It's not that you're making a bunch of disciples of Lucinda. No, she's making disciples of Jesus, right? People who look like Jesus. But yet, again, there's just a good chance that the people in Lucinda's life are going to learn about Jesus, who he is, how he moves, how he operates. They're going to learn a whole lot about Jesus from her, right? In the way she talks, in the way she walks. So I want you to think about it. This is so important. I hope we take this serious. What do you want people to learn about Jesus? And what do you want people to learn about being a Christian from you? From you. In my own life, for anyone who's watching me, I want people to see that God uses messy people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah right, that he uses people even while they're still in the process, right, while they're still in the journey. If you're here at any length of time, you're going to hear me talk about the process and talk about the journey all of the time, because it's a passion of mine, right. I want people to know that you don't have to wait until you have it all figured out for God to use you mightily for his plans and his purposes, I mean, if one message shines for me, I just hope it's this. God uses messy people. And, And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is because I grew up seeing pastors as almost like that fourth member of the Trinity. Trinity means three. And yet, have you ever been there where the pastor is so perfect, right? It just all feels so unattainable And yet, then you read your Bible. Isn't reading your Bible dangerous? Because then you read your Bible and you see the heroes of your Bible who from the pulpit sounded so unattainable that they're kind of messed up. Have you noticed that? I mean, yeah, they had faith in God. Like Abraham, faith in God. But even Abraham, keep reading your Bibles. In our reading plan, just this last week, we read the story of Abraham by faith. By faith, it was credited to him as righteousness. But the same guy, he made some mistakes. Twice he, hold, he held back some information that was just a tad bit important. That Sarah was his what? That his, it was his wife. He held that information back. Instead, he just tells them, no, Sarah is my sister. And yet this is our father of the faith. Have you read David? King David? Gotta love King David. The Bible says that David, he is a man after God's own heart. And yet he has this affair with Bathsheba. Remember that affair? Sometimes we don't teach that part, but it happened. But he even uses that affair. Who was born from Bathsheba, you remember? Solomon, king, Solomon. And and, you know, I guess you could read those stories and just be disgusted at all, man, these terrible men and these terrible women. Just look at all these terrible people who did these terrible things. Just close that door in disgust. But for me, I mean, don't get me wrong, but that's kind of encouraging, right? It's kind of encouraging that God uses extremely flawed people in powerful ways. I'm not I don't want to follow their examples of sin. But I'm extremely thankful that God uses messy people. And I want people to see that in me, that I'm not perfect. And, and so in that regard, I'm pretty honest. In fact, I don't even realize how honest I am anymore. But another senior pastor, when they come in and they hear me preach, they'll just be like, wow, like you're really out there. And just kind of <laughs> just kind of speak it out. But, you know, hopefully through all of that, church, I just hope that the people around me have that opportunity to learn just a little bit about what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ, that you don't have to be perfect, right? You don't. Jesus already is. Jesus, Christ in you, is your perfection. And you're going to make mistakes. And, And though mistakes, by the way, they can be painful, and also sometimes there's earthly consequences to your mistakes, even though your mistakes can be painful, can be hurtful, though there can be consequences, I just want you to hear this. Your mistakes do not have to define you. Christ shows us in his message, in the way he loved, in the way he restored prostitutes and tax collectors and thieves. He shows us, he models to us that we are not defined by our mistakes. We are defined by Jesus Christ. And I still want to model that in my own life. So how is it that God is using you, right? Where are people watching you? Where are people learning from you? Oh, Pastor Dan, nobody's watching me right nobody cares what I'm doing no no one cares what I'm saying well that's a lie that's a lie if that's what you believe you're just kidding yourself are you married your spouse they're watching they're learning do you got kids they're watching maybe you don't got kids you got parents they're watching do you work people at work they're watching do you breathe if you're breathing (laughs) The people around you, if you're not just in your room all day long, the people around you, they're watching, they're learning at the grocery store, gas station, in traffic, social media, any of you on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, people are watching, people are listening. And again, to drive this point home for Paul and Silas, they came in with such conviction with the word in power in the spirit that the people in Thessalonica, they were watching and they received the word. And they received it in much affliction with joy, but they received it and they became imitators of them and imitators of the Lord, right? They saw what Paul and Silas had to offer in the midst of those hardships and trials, receiving it with joy, imitating it, putting it into their own lives. The Thessalonians began to follow hard after the Lord, full of conviction full of the power, full of the Spirit. And as you read your Bibles, it goes on to say this. The Thessalonians, the Thessalonians who received this message, they became an example to who? To Macedonia. They became an example to who? To Achaia. But it gets even better. The Bible goes on to say, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth where? Where? everywhere so that we need not say anything for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. How you turned to God from idols. We talked about this last week. Turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Praise the Lord. But I hope you understand that this is some big stuff, Ring. This is some big stuff. Think about it. The Thessalonians have received the message that Paul and Silas brought to them, right? They receive it. They become imitators of Paul and Silas and the Lord. They're so changed, right? Just so radically changed by the word, by you know, all the things, by the power, by the spirit, in full conviction. Even though, if you remember, they are filling the affliction, and yet they receive it full of joy in the Holy Spirit. But they receive it to such an extent. we got to understand this. They receive this good news, this gospel of Jesus Christ to such an extent that they are now shining the light of Christ in much uh, the same way that Paul was shining the light of Christ. But now they are shining so bright. Their lives have been so radically changed by the good news gospel of Jesus Christ that now others, right, stay with me here, others in Macedonia, Achaia, and beyond, they are now imitating who? They are imitating the Thessalonians. Do you see that? They become the example. I hope you're you're tracking with me. Do you see the great commission where disciples of Christ are making disciples of Christ who are making disciples of Christ who are making disciples of Christ? Let's be honest. I mean, that's how most of us got here. Most of us. We're part of a 2,000-year-long chain of disciples making disciples. We watch others. We learn from the example of others, and we begin to follow them as they follow Christ, becoming more like Christ. But then others begin to watch us. They watch the change. They watch the transformation. They watch the power in our lives as our lives become more and more like Christ and more and more point to Christ, more and more reveal the goodness and glory of Christ. Others watch us, and if they're willing to receive the good news, then they become more like Christ. Now some of us, maybe there was nobody like this in your life, and the Lord just spoke to you, maybe you're walking on the road, the Lord speaks to you and you said yes to him and, and now you follow him. And by the way, that happens and that happens a lot. But I think for the majority of us, there was someone or someones who were instrumental in your life. I mean, think about it. Someone who was just wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus. They had this faith in Jesus, their conviction in Jesus. And, and as you watched them live their lives, it had an influence on you. For me, it was my parents. I love that my parents are here this morning. It was my Aunt Sonia, who's also here this morning. It was my siblings. It was my, uh, my college ministry leader at the University of Wyoming. People in my life who were just so full of the word, full of power, full of the spirit, full of conviction, and how they lived for Jesus. I mean, it had a great influence on my life. Again, just think about who that was for you. And I want you to think about them by name. Think of their name what was their name church maybe it was a grandma maybe it was a teacher maybe it was a neighbor maybe it was a friend think about them by name but then once you got their name you probably don't know the answer to this next part but I want you to think about the person that was influential in their life right who set the example in their life who was the person that influenced My parents. Who is the person that influenced my siblings? Who set the example for my Aunt Sonia? Who set the example for my college ministry leader? Because that person and their life, how they lived, how they talked, how they walked, whoever that person is, someone I'm probably not even going to meet on this side of heaven. Can you see how their life had a great impact on my life? For all of us, I mean, I hope this challenges us just a little bit to consider how we are living our lives that how you are living, it matters. It matters. I mean, take an honest look at your life. I I don't think we understand how powerful we are. My brother, he tells his congregation this often. He says, you are more powerful than you realize, either for good or for evil. And for your life, are you living a life that is powerful for good, that is full of the power of God? Are you living your life full of conviction, full of the word, full of the spirit? Are you willing to play your part in the great commission? If there was a chain, just visually think, a chain that started with Jesus 2,000 years ago and just went from generation to generation to generation. Are you willing to be a Jesus shining link in that chain? Hallelujah. Are you willing to play your part? In church, I mean beyond us even as individuals, as a church. Are we, LifeSpring Church, willing to faithfully play our part in the chain of the Great Commission? You know, as much as we have received, we've received so much, church. The fact that we are a church, it's a miracle. It's a miracle of God. I mean, think of all the people who, who just spent so much of their lives, so much effort to make this even a possibility, to make it a reality. Pastor Steve Schell of Northwest Foursquare who sent us here. Pastor Chad and Yvonne Skilperwart, who gave up so much to plant this church. People who invested years of their lives to make this a special, special place. Ed and Carol Vandermuhlen. Dan and Miriam McGonagall. Adam Henderson. Ray Wright. Early Nod. The list goes on and on of the people who poured into this church so that you and I could be here today. Come on, let's grab a hold of what they have offered us by the grace of God. Let's grab a hold of that gospel, the good news of Jesus that was so exemplified in their lives, their lives that were filled with conviction, right? Their lives that were full of the word and power and the spirit. Let us carry the good news of Jesus Christ forward to the next generation let us grab a hold of what they offer us what God by his grace offers us and may we teach and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to anyone who might receive the good news of Jesus Christ to anyone who might listen anyone who might open their ear may we be ready to pass on that torch to the next generation I mean come on life spring the church of Thessalonica they became such an example. I was just getting goosebumps all week when I was looking at this. They became such an example to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, their faith in God. I mean, that news it spread. And it's hard to get news to spread back then. They didn't have the internet, but yet the news of who they were is spread everywhere. I mean, with shake, with trembling, could we just say, God, if it might be according to your plans and your and your purposes, could life spring church? Be that church. Could that be said of us? Could that be said of us? Lord, if it doesn't ruin some great eternal plan like my mom used to pray. Could that just be said of us? That we would have so received your word. So received the good news of Jesus Christ. That we would become an example to everyone around us. This church how you and I live, every one of us in this church, how we live, how we talk, how we walk. It would be an example, not just in our town, not just in our state, not just in our nation, but to the world. And what is the example? Remember what Paul says right at the end of the passage. He says, how you turned to God. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let us carry that torch. Let us turn to God from idols. Right? Each one of us, just resolve. Just take an inventory in my own life. Just resolve. Each one of us, resolve to turn from the things of the world that try to steal our worship. Turn from the idols of this world that try to steal our affection, but instead turn and wholeheartedly follow, wholeheartedly serve the living and true God. This is my prayer for us, church, that our lives, as messy and broken as they sometimes look and feel, that our lives would be lived full of conviction by the power of God so that our lives would be an example to everyone we meet. That's my prayer for us, church, that in us, people would see that saving power of Jesus Christ and maybe just maybe some of them would receive the good news of Jesus Christ for themselves so that we could make disciples of Christ who make disciples of Christ who make disciples of Christ until he comes back and I hope he comes back soon but until he does we'll make disciples of Christ let's pray Lord Jesus I pray that your word today would challenge us that each of us have a part to play in this great commission that you called your disciples your friends those who were so close to you to rise up in faith and to go out and to tell the world about the good news of Jesus Christ Lord in many ways we are here today because that message has been carried forth for the past 2,000 years And though we wish those around us would have received that Word, some of us have family and friends and neighbors that we so wish and so desire to receive that Word. Even though, Lord, for my life, I have received it, I have said yes to you, God. And many of us in this room have said yes to your Word, have said yes to the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, for those of us who have said yes, I just pray right now that we would not stay silent about the good news any longer. That we'd receive, Lord, but we'd also give. That we'd receive, but we'd also give. That we'd receive this salvation that you offer, God, this freedom that is found, the the freedom from sins, the forgiveness of sins, the eternal life that only Jesus offers. But that, God, we wouldn't hide it any longer. We wouldn't hide it, keep it quiet, keep it hidden, but we would shine so bright that the world around us would take notice. Would you show us what that looks like, Lord, in in the way we love, in the way we treat others, in the way we use our words, in the way we act? Would you show us what it looks like to shine so bright that others would begin to take notice of the good news of Jesus in our lives, and we could be a part of this 2,000-year-long chain of salvation, of freedom, of deliverance, of rescue. Jesus, just show us, even now, Lord, just begin to reveal to us those areas. Maybe it's in work and the way that we've been speaking in the workplace. Others of us, it's the way we act in traffic. Others of us, it's how we talk and the way we behave at the dining room table. Others of us, it's the way we shoot out that email or post on Facebook and Twitter. Lord, by your grace, would you just begin to change the atmosphere of our lives? Just change the atmosphere that people could even begin to be just kind of confused by us, confused by our willingness to go the extra mile, confused by our willingness to forgive, confused by our willingness to offer grace and mercy and love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. This is a new season at LifeSpring in so many ways, a new season. We're excited. It's so much bigger than any one of us. It's, it's a bigger move than a pastor or a congregation. It's something you're doing in our community. But we want to be a part of it. We say yes to our part, Lord. Lord. Just like you began to spread just throughout the regions uh, during the times of Paul and Silas and the other disciples and apostles, I pray, Lord, that your good news would begin to spread like never before in our region and in our world. Lord, just let it be in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your word go forth. Let, Let there be seeds planted that would begin to take fruit and bear fruit, Lord. We would begin to see the harvest just coming in, the harvest coming in like never before. That the harvest would be so ripe, we'd just be calling harvesters from left and right, from everywhere, Lord. Just send more workers because the harvest is so ripe. May that be right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. Right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.